Hello, bonjour, welcome and bienvenue to the Football English Podcast. I'm your host Liam and once again, as always, I'm joined by Tom. Hello everyone. And Jonathan. Hey everyone, nice to be here. On this week's episode, we'll be discussing the first game of the season against newly promoted Ajaccio, which ended in a 2-1 win. It wasn't the most um, convincing of results at the end, but considering what happened, there probably are some positives. We'll be discussing all that and we'll also be taking a look at the new group of captains that have been selected for the new season. I don't know why this is a common thing in football now, where they feel the need to delegate five captains rather than a captain and a vice-captain, but hey-ho, we'll be discussing that as well. Um, I guess touching on the uh, performance, um, the opening 25 minutes is where we're going to take real positives from, right, Jonathan? You know, we were really good in terms of creating opportunities. The first goal from Tete is brilliant. It's really good attacking play. Le Penon sliding it into Lacazette before laying off to Tete, who... Pretty good finish to make it 1-0. Then, obviously, Lacazette's a penalty, but great to see him back on the score sheet. What did you think from the opening 25 minutes? Were you excited with what we have saw, seen? Apologies. Yeah, yeah, it was. I thought the first, first 20 minutes were quite good. You know, we weren't wonderful, but it, it was quite good, and there was a lot of movement uh, on offense. It was, it was quite nice. The right right side with Gusto and Tete was very good. Lacazette touching a lot of balls. Um it, it was interesting to watch, and I would have liked to see that over ninety minutes. Um, that's really that was really my main disappointment with the red card was we didn't get to see it because we're still in the preseason, no early season time where you don't know yet what the team is like, um, and and so they were playing well, you know, penalty goal, you know, close foul. I'm not sure it was a foul, but you know, I'll take it, and then. The first goal was really, really nice, and it showed immediately what Lacazette adds that Dembele couldn't do. You know, Lacazette is going to help a lot to build around him as opposed to just finishing the plays, and uh, I think that's going to be really good this season. And it did feel like, for the first 20 minutes, that we're a solid Ligue 1 team. Um, obviously, I'm sure you'll mention it, but Lopez screwed that all up, um, which happens. I'm not going to be one of those who goes after him really, really hard. It just it happened for any player to get a red card, and but it's too bad. It's too bad because we did we don't know the value of, of Lyon at this point, and as supporters we want to know now. We don't want to wait to see. I want to know right now. So I guess we'll we'll wait a little longer and uh, find out what this team really has. For sure, that's why I probably dissected the game into that opening twenty five minutes. I think there where you really saw is how we can expect to set up throughout the season. I know it's Ajaxio, people be saying it's a newly promoted team. It is worth noting that they did have the best defence in league the last season. I know it's another league, it's a different setup. But for a team that was really well organised last season, I think in the opening 25 minutes, as you said, with good movement, we were able to pick them apart pretty easily. And, you know, if we'd have kept on with 11 men, who knows, we could have scored four and five goals. It could have been a possibility. But obviously... That wasn't the case with the red card from Lopez. Uh, before we touch on the red card and Lopez and the um, the interesting character he is, I wanted to pick up on um, Le Bourgeois. They were talking about the official league and podcast in English. They were talking about OL's performance being pretty sluggish, rather, you know, usual like last season, that they weren't able to finish a game off within 90 minutes. Obviously, red cards and things come into account. In my opinion, I thought that was quite harsh. I know in the second half they were 
we were a bit standoffish in possession and things like that. We probably had the quality to go up. But I don't know, in your opinion, Tom, would you say that we were ever particularly worried at a time? I think in the second half, we managed the game better than we have in the past, considering some of the blunders we had last season. Yeah, I think ultimately we, we controlled, as I said, the first 20 minutes until the red card, basically. And that's probably the best I've seen Leon play in quite a long time. Obviously, if you take into account the summer break, that's obviously going to be a long time since the last game. But get what I mean and in terms of adding the seasons together. Um, so, yeah, I do think sluggish is a bit harsh if you take the whole 90 minutes. Obviously, controlling a game does make you a bit boring. You know, I did fall off at the end and I was like, oh my God, this is this is not great. And, you know, as, as every good football follower, I was also watching Arsenal at the same time, which also fell off the cliff after halftime. So, realistically, it just feels like it's, it's um, a common denominator for any team starting off the season. Maybe not necessarily the first game, as in we were both on the Friday, but just generally every team has a bit of a drop-off. We saw it with... You know Chelsea uh, this weekend as well dropped off, so it's really just get back into the rhythm, and you know they need to <laughs> back off Leon a bit. But I, I do feel we did control the game a bit more. You know, the Jaxio's attacking threat was not huge, uh, while the defense was was pretty good, as you said. You know, best one in league do last year, um, and that sort of moved up. Um, there's definitely you know an element that we showed that we weren't that worried about conceding. Um, I did think once we went down to ten men, conceded a penalty, conceded it, you know, and all that stuff. I thought I could see all over written all over it. Like this is a Leon result. This is going to be a two-two draw with some VAR weirdness at the latter minutes. But then Abuma got sent off, and I was like, oh, we might be fine. And then cards started adding up. Um, Mr. Bastian got a 2 out of 10 for his excellent refereeing throughout the game unsurprising um, and you know just just being average <laughs> but it was all in control I think we, we didn't worry too much and um, hopefully it stays that way maybe not with the cards let's, let's avoid the red cards in the future but um, hopefully we can manage games like this in the in the rest of the season yeah, the referee was um, diabolical, to say the least. I think we had nine cards, if you include both teams. Lacazette being booked. Yeah, but Jackson's going to get a lot, lot of cards for them. Season, I think they're going to get a lot yeah, of cards. Yeah, for sure. I think you kind of saw the way they're going to play this season in terms of being able to cope with teams that have got a bit more technical brilliance in the final third. They were a bit physical. It reminded me a bit of... Um, 80s Premier League football some what you see in these highlights of people like Vinnie Jones and Alan Hansen who were never scared of a tackle uh, they were very much you know physical in their um, in their approach which some teams will need to be if they're going to stay up especially with four relegation spots in league in this season um, in terms of the I guess outcome of the game with the red cards um what what was your thought process there, Jonathan, as you know, Lopez comes rushing out as the last man to essentially give away what looks to be a certain penalty? And when you're the last man, you're always going to be giving your marching orders. Yeah, it's just uh, the classic goalkeeper mistake. It's just a little bit more violent than usual when it's Lopez, you know, being late and touching the, the 
player, you know, it happens all the time. It's just the way he comes out or the way he confronts it makes it look more dangerous. It is more dangerous. I mean, I know how much that hurts. I've played soccer. I've had a hit like that. I was out for like an hour. <laughs> so I'm always amazed that they can get up and like play again. But, you know, he, he made a mistake. Defenders make mistakes too. They take, they make crazy tackles. They get red cards. You know, I don't know why there's all this pressure on him. Like he's the worst keeper ever and, and everything, you know, I, I mentioned that it's only his second red card in Liga in his career. It's not like he has this history of red cards, you know, before that only one in 300 games and the other incidents that were violent, he's had incidents that were violent, but they, because of the the rules, he wasn't even, they weren't even called fouls. He, he was playing the ball and he touched the ball. It wasn't a foul. So yeah, he has this uh, history of coming out very aggressively, but he's not this guy who gets a lot of red cards and punish and, 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 you know, hurts the team. He, he makes mistakes like most players do and goalkeepers make mistakes too. And so I, I don't understand going after him all the time. You know, he, he had a mistake against Benfica, I remember a few years ago, that was really bad, but people make mistakes, you know? And I think every goalkeeper gets like two, three mistakes a year, usually, you know, even the best ones. So I wouldn't hold it against him if he has a good season overall. That's what matters is consistency and having most games being, being good. Um, so, yeah, I know it's frustrating. He's going to be gone for a few games now. That's that's actually a bigger problem for me is who's going to be our goalkeeper for a few games. But, you know, I think we should give Lopez a, a pass at the first game. He's He feels worse than, than anyone else. I'm sure he's super pissed off about this. For sure. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it? I've, I heard the same start on Labrosia this afternoon, another plug for them. Um, but yeah, two red cards, you would think it would be more than that with, I guess, the persona and reputation he's got. I mean, I remember, I think it was against Angers a few years ago. He's, he's leaped into the back of somebody and people were calling that he's physically assaulted. I don't know if it was, it might have been Toma that he challenged for the ball with. I remember that particular, as you mentioned, Tom, there was a mistake against Bryce last year. Um, Benfica, he's made mistakes, he's been prone to mistakes a while, but you know, when he doesn't have these hot headed moments, which you know, players do have, he's passionate, you can tell that with the way he plays his football. He's a reliable goalkeeper. I would sit with the same reservations as you, Jonathan, that the fact we've got not got him for the next what it'll be three games probably, um, is a worry. Um, speaking of who came in to replace him and one of the summer signings I didn't expect us to be talking about, I'm sure we'll talk about Lacazette's impact a little bit further, but Remy Ryu came on, Tom. Do you have any thoughts on his performance? I don't think he really put a foot wrong and he made a pretty good save as well. I was going to say, yeah, really good save. That The lob, uh, I think the chip that the, the Ajaxio player did um, within the first minutes, basically, of him coming on, Fantastic leap, I have to admit. Um, didn't think he would get that out. Um, otherwise, yeah, just was pretty solid performance. I don't think he actually touched the ball that much either. Uh, didn't have any significant saves to make. So hats off to him for for keeping cool and being serious on the pitch. And you know, he's a great professional and was at the club before. Um, but as you said, it was not exactly someone we expected to see playing anytime soon. Um, Especially considering that we thought Polisbeck would be ahead. So now we, we're still, I don't know if Liam, if you've checked in terms of Polisbeck's potential injury, but I don't think that was that was actually the case. 
I've not seen anything. No, I yeah, could be so. wrong, but I've not seen anything as to. Oh, yeah, so Ryu or... just might have over- leapt ahead of Polizbek in the hierarchy and trying to push the German keeper out. Who knows? And he's going to have that opportunity if he is on the next two games. Uh, Lorient and Poir, you probably think of the attacking threat they've got. I can think of Terran Moffi and Arno Loriente at um, Lorient, who aren't exactly pushovers. They had a good win against Ren at the weekend, but you know, it's a pub, it's a he's not facing Ben Yedder or Mbappe anytime soon, let's put it that way. So, if he's going to feature any games, these are probably the better games for him to be featuring. I mean, we did coming on to, to the we did go I to guess, you know, headline with, moments in terms of we went to the company with Georges so we got to take into account that backup keepers is a thing with Leo. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're gonna be we're not gonna be using the squad as much this season without European football, but I'm sure players will play. And as you say, it's not something I'm familiar with of what you're referring to, but yeah, something we'll probably see throughout the season. Uh Jonathan, in terms of Lacazette's performance, I'm gonna let you both speak about him. I'm sure, you know, there's lots to say. Um, is that what we spoke about him possibly scoring fifteen to twenty goals this season? We said the same with Dembele last season, which was true. Was that the sort of performance you that made you believe could reveal that in terms of, you know, the way he got into the position for the first goal, the way he dispatched his penalty? There seemed to be a bit of confidence about him playing back in a Leon shirt. Yeah, I mean, the twenty goals, easy. If he takes all the penalties, what about eight penalties a year, let's say? Six take six to eight, you're already at, at a I think there's no doubt. I think he plays all 38 games. If he's healthy, obviously, and not suspended. I, I don't understand why Dembele is staying because he's going to play pennies. He, it's not even like Lekadet's going to leave at the 60th minute and be subbed out. I really think it's going to be 90 minutes of Lekadet pretty much every game as the captain. And Bosch is going to want that on the field. And so I think 20 goals is realistic. He's not going to have 28 goals or 30. How many goals he had that season a few years ago when he was uh, still at Lyon and he was unbelievable. Um, I still think that uh, he's going to be a top top player in the league. He's not he's not as fast and, and explosive as before, but I, I think that we need someone to score goals and uh, he's going to be there to score, score his 20. 20 is not that much on a team that that scores, I don't know, 65 goals in a year. You know, it's a third of the goals. That's why I, I assume we should get out of him, you know. Um, anything less, you know, 15, I think, would be a poor season. And it's harsh to say because 15 is really good. But for someone like him, who's going to play every game, I think 15 is a harsh season. Uh, and and I, hope, I hope he scores 20. I hope he scores 20, and I hope he, he gets, uh, you know, out of Mbappe competition, I think he could be the best goal scorer. Taking Wissam Ben Yedder's crown. Yeah, big predictions. I'm not in disagreement, to be honest. I think, you know, even just playing in front of the, uh, what I think we nearly had 50,000 fans at the stadium for the opening game of the season. Um, even playing in that sort of atmosphere back in his hometown, that sort of thing, they're the sorts of things that Spurs you want. And again, you say he's not got the explosiveness that he possibly had, what, four years ago, five years ago when he signed for Arsenal. But I think he's learned to be a bit more intelligent at playing in tighter spaces and that will fare him well. You know, in the Premier League, there isn't about as far as much space as you can possibly get 
running in behind or with your back to goal in league and so having that balance from playing in the Premier League for three or four years will definitely serve him well as well. Um, what about you, Tom? Are you of the same opinion that you could see Lacazette getting 20 goals this season? And uh, what did you think to his overall performance? It is worth, you know, explaining his impact in that opening goal and I guess the overall play in the opening 25 minutes and possibly the extra 65 minutes after that, you know, being an experienced head and a leader making sure that we could keep on to the victory at the opening game of the season. Well, I mean, Jonathan mentioned it earlier. He did things on that first goal that Dembélé would never be able to do. I mean, obviously that that pass wouldn't be possible with you know, well, Dembélé's huge Timberland boots he's always wearing for the games. Uh, so it's always a little trickier to to do those kind of controls and passes into space. Um, seems like he really gets along with with Tete uh, in terms of on on the pitch. I don't know how it is off the pitch. You know. Like I said, seemingly spending more time doing balloons than actually playing football, seeing the state of his voice these days. But um, it's um, seemingly it's working. You know, it's it's something that we needed, something a bit different to Dembele, something different to who else we had since you know Marina Diaz. We've had Tino Cadawere start up front, Tokoy Kambi Paqueta. We've had so many different profiles. Um, I think to an extent he does fits in more with sort of what we had with Paqueta, I think, and that sort of target man with a bit of skill and finesse to be able to play around him than in the back player that Mariano Diaz was. Um, so I think it's interesting to see what he can bring. Uh, that first goal is a great example of what kind of things he's going to be able to bring this season. Um, and hopefully he can keep that up. And as you said, you know, leader on the pitch, um, really helped us keep the results. I don't remember him seeing him doing that much high press uh, that we maybe saw with the the rest of the team in the first 25, but it did help keep a compact block. Now, I don't know if his voice is loud enough. You know, this is one of the things he said to Alexandre Ruiz, who's, um, you know, a journalist on the side of the the pitch at the end of the game. Uh, You know, he told him and Rio Mavuba, the um, ex-Lille captain, where did his voice go? And he was like, well, I've been shouting so much on my teammates. I don't believe that because we've seen his voice being completely broken for weeks. But you get the point. Like He's able to keep a compact block, tell you know, Malagusto, please do get back into, into shape. And Paqueta, come and help me out with, with this press, pressing and so on. So hopefully he can... You know, it's, I, I think he's more of a captain like Hugo Lloris is for, for France. It's sort of a not a silent, but a quieter captain and leads more by example than anything else, um, rather than someone screaming like Roy Keane would have done previously. Um, but I think that's, that's you know, both captains work. And with this young team, I think having someone with a good communication skills and being able to lead by example rather than screaming on younger players, I think is probably for the best. So it seems like, you know, he's getting the young players together. Le Penon is a good example sort of hustling them together and saying, you know, we will have to work hard for this result, but we have to do it together. And I think that's what he's, he's done so far. And we got the result. So no no problems there. And as for a prediction in terms of goals, I think I'm with Jonathan here. If if we get our regular number of penalties, obviously everyone on Twitter loves saying that Leon gets 60 penalties a season. So that's how much we'll get probably this year as well. Um, but... You know, he. I think 
the objective is more thinking how many goals he can get in open play. And I think if you can get 15, I think it's a successful season. Scoring penalties is obviously not an easy feat, but it's sort of, you know, changes the statistics a bit. If you score seven penalties and only like 11 or 12 open play goals while playing 38 games, I think that sort of biases the result. But if you get 15 in open play, it's a great season for him. Add another five, six assists. Um, he's got his first one already. Uh, I'm sure we'll be on for, for a very good season from the captain. Exactly. That's what we need as well. If we've got somebody who is leading by example, not just in terms of, you know, the fact he's done what a lot of these young players are doing. I'm thinking people like Kakare and Shirky, he's been in that same situation. Um, and again, if he's doing it on the pitch, if he can get 25 goal contributions, as you said, Jonathan, if he can contribute to a third of the goals, which most key players for teams do. And if we do keep Paqueta, who could possibly, you know, come up with 15, we are looking at a podium push if you're getting... I don't know, 40 goal contributions from two players. Um, in terms of other players, in terms of top performances, I think we've put Lacazette in there in terms of the fact he got a goal and assist. I'm going to nominate my man of the match. For me, it was um, it was one man and one man only. Um, I think Johan Lopenel was excellent. I think the way he sat in the sixth role, um, his passing was excellent. Um, only two misplaced passes all night. Uh, 94% pass accuracy. Um, in terms of the jewels at times, he was a little, I don't know, um, off it. He, you can tell there was a bit of nerves there in playing. You know, he's never played in front of 50,000 people before. But I think in terms of, you know, the fact that Bosch had clear worries that he wasn't able to play in the six, um, I think he eradicated those, in my opinion. Just the calmness on the ball, redistributing play, being able to cover if necessary, drop into even advanced positions. The hockey assist or the pre-assist for the first goal, whatever you want to call it, uh, was excellent as well. Um, just in general, just a really good all-round performance. Um, has it kind of eased your worries or qualms about possibly not having a reliable six? Do you think Bush could possibly reconsider going to the market for a six after that performance, Jonathan? Um, if you were me, yes. But I, I don't think Bosch sees him still as the guy he wants for a whole season, or, or at least he wants someone else. He wants an other alternative. Um, you know, Le Penon was fantastic, and it was his first match in Ligue 1, and he showed that he can play in Ligue 1, no problem. And I think, like you mentioned last week, Liam, that, you know, with a, 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 week, a season without European competition, why not just play Le Penon all season, give him the experience he needs, and, you know, if he really steps up, then we have a great player without having to invest. And he is a number six. So I would do that route. But I think Bosch in his interviews and stuff, he always mentions how, you know, young players need, uh, you can't rely on them, really. You need another alternative in case, you know, they, they lose consistency. Lukiba is the only one who somehow at 19 and Senec Gusto, they're given the starting spot. But usually that's because they're, they're confirming a second season. Um, I think Le, Le Penon, is great, but I don't want us to get also too excited and be like he's the next Kekre and he's the sixth version of Kekre and we're, now we got this great midfield. Um, it is, I think we're good because I think Toliso can play six. Toliso came in and was also solid. I think if he he subbed in and did a rotation, you would have two sixes there. Um, like we talked about before, the priority for Lyon is not the six. The priority is a center back. Really, that's that's the priority: a starting center back and a backup right back. So Lupino was fantastic, showed so much promise. 
Um, I just hope he ends up with a career more like Kekre than a career more like Toussaint, which he's compared to a lot. Um, so I, I guess we'll see how he develops, but it's a really promising start for him. I'd agree. Definitely not Luca Tuzar, who's currently embroiled in another relegation threatened season at Hertha Berlin. Uh, yeah, if he can come in and play like that, 38 games a season, we've got the next Perlo on our hands. I don't think he's going to do that, but you know, um, you're right. We don't want to get too excited, but what we saw in the opening game was really promising, and to have somebody like that for £3.5 million could be an excellent acquisition. And you look at long-term sales in three years' time, there's no reason why he couldn't be another £45 million. 50 million euro sale or the future of the spine for the next five, six years. Uh, what about you, Tom, then, in terms of other performances? We've touched on Lacazette, we've touched on Le Penon. Is there anyone else that really stood out for you? I will, yeah, just a final element on, on Le Penon. I don't always want to play the the, um, the pessimistic uh, host here, but you do have to take into account it was in a high-pressing Ajaxio, he did have a lot of time on the ball to find his passes. And, you know, that's good at testing his, his passing ability, which is great. And he did survive. Can I pressure. concur? I would say in the second half when, you know, well, the, probably the second half of the first half, there was a lot of pressure on our goal and some of the touches he showed under pressure oh, were no, sure. quite impressive. I'm just saying maybe the, um, you know, if he's playing against... I'm not always going to compare it to PSG because PSG obviously is one out of nine other 18 teams. But you take in a stronger midfield uh, and you've got someone running at you like, well, Tizazi doesn't play in that position, but a sort of that stronger build of midfielder. I think physically he might struggle a bit more um, to, to survive under pressure. And, you know, Kakri has a way of sort of rolling off the shoulder of an opponent and, you know, getting away with it uh, from his, I guess, futsal years. But if he's on the ball and he's got some sort of, you know, we call them fridges, you know, big-ass fridge coming at you, six foot four, a muscly guy coming at you, how does he react in that position? That we need to see. I'm not one to draw conclusions after a first game. He did do very well. I will say that. He did do very well. And has eased me in terms of having that number six, even if it's just a backup. You know, if we play all season with with Tuliso there and Kakri in front, and just Lupinon comes on for the last, um, you know, twenty minutes because Tuliso probably doesn't have the physicality to go right to the end of the game. I will also say this: Tuliso's entrance, excellent. You know, brought in a bit more energy. Uh, his passing still there, and clearly. You know, he was really motivated motivated to be here. We knew that when he signed a five year deal, I think it's five years. Um, so he's clearly motivated to be at the club and clearly still has a level to play at it. Does he have the physicality and the, the physical attributes to still continue? And does his body follow uh, as much as it did before? Probably not. But if we can manage him very well, Tulisa is going to be a very, very important element to our season. Um, and in terms of other good performers, I mean, Tete, once again, scores another great goal. Um, we've mentioned it several times so far that did a great team build. Um, but, you know, he's shown that he is the proper winger that we have needed over the last few years. Um, you know, we've, we've had to put ourselves through Tino Cadoera as a right midfielder or uh, Bertrand Traore. And I can't even think of all the 
slightly average players that we've had in that position. Maxwell Corner did okay, but he was never a real winger either. So having that proper 1v1 type of player who's going to take on the opponent, cut inside if he needs, but also can go outside to cross back, it's really crucial. And I'm really impressed that the club managed to keep him on. He's going to be crucial this season. And you mentioned again earlier, you know, that Rice side, that combination with Gusto is going to be very important to us. The other side, not so much. You know, Tagliafico did okay. Nothing superfluous. Uh, I think he tried to... He's not played that much regular football over the last two seasons. So he's probably just trying to touch the ball, you know, pass inside, be sure of what he's able to do. Maybe in the next few weeks, we'll see him come up a bit more further and try and combine with... Well, try. Yeah, with Toko Kambi, I guess. We'll see how that works out. But, you know, Definitely a very interesting right side, which we can work on. And Paqueta loves drifting to that side. So I'm sure we'll be able to... If we keep that 4-3-3 type of formation, I'm sure we'll get to see Paqueta, Tete and Gusto work really well with that right side. And that's promising. Good answer. Yeah, I would say you've given a good comprehensive of the performance there. Um, I would agree in terms of Le Pen is probably a talking point for another week in terms of talking about the number six role and whether we do dip into the market. But yeah, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt. It is worth noting he's playing against a team he played against last season as well. Um, obviously, they are technically a league to side still when you look at the team. They've not really brought any major signings in with real league and experience either. So um, yeah, it's... Um, it's exciting, but we'll leave it at that. In terms of a negative performer or as flops, as we used to call it last season, um, I think there's only one man. I'll allow you to um, transpire on it, Jonathan, considering I responded to your tweet saying I forgot he was playing. Uh, Toko Akambi. Um, what, what, what do you want to say about Toko Akambi? Mr. Toko Akambi. Um, you know, he's... Uh... He's, he's an interesting case, this guy. Um, he obviously is a good league young player. I mean, that's not something you can deny. And he's been good in the past. He goes on runs where he's been very valuable for Lyon. Um, and I have no problem with him overall as a player. I just I just don't think he's a starter for Lyon at left wing. You know, <clears throat> he could come in in the rotation. I would love to see Toko Kambi come off the bench. Good player energy, no problem. I know he had that uh, rift with the supporters a big problem but honestly in this podcast we were not pro Toko Akambi before that incident so I don't think that's really why I'm saying this um, he he's just I don't know his personality he doesn't seem that involved I know he makes the runs but he, he doesn't seem that involved and he doesn't use the left wing in a 4-3-3 correctly he doesn't go on the wing he doesn't uh, cross with the left foot he doesn't do anything that we need for that position there's never an assist from that side, really. Um, and that's partially his fault. I know there's the left back, too, but he's supposed to do more, and he's not. And what's frustrating is not that he's not this amazing player. It's that the coach sees him as this amazing player and is one of the first names on the team sheet for every game for the past, you know, in the whole Bosch era. And it's surprising to me because the one thing I liked about Bosch usually was that he saw things that, most of us see, and he would take players out that we didn't like. You know, with Garcia, there's players that were playing forever. We were all like, what are you doing? And he was playing them over and over again. You're like, this is ridiculous. 
Cornet left back. Everyone knew the first time it didn't work, and he kept doing it. Um, but Bosch usually pays attention. So here, I don't get his obsession with Toka Kambi. I, I guess he likes the amount of sprints he makes, but to me, we need another option, and we don't have another option. There is no true left back besides Barcola, and I don't think Bosch sees him as ready to start in Ligue 1. I, that's fair. I don't know if he's really ready to start. I'd like to see him, but we really don't have someone challenging Toko for the starting minutes when you consider Cherki's on a left wing either, and Barcola's not prime yet. So um, it is what it is. Toko had a bad game. It doesn't mean he'll have a bad season. It's just it's just disappointing to think of him, you know, having him all year at that position. I just think it's a big waste because if with, if with, with another Tite, if you get a Tite on the other side, we'd be really, really dominant, I think, on offense. Yeah, you could probably say it's a case of him maybe being too comfortable in his position. I mean, we'll touch on it a little bit later, but obviously he's, in Bosch's eyes, he's given high esteem in his place in the squad. Um, as you mentioned, other than Barcola, really, who is rather inexperienced at this level, you know, he featured a few times in the league last season and a bit more in the Europa League, but He's not really shown anything of the likes of, you know, somebody young coming through that Kakare, Luke or Augusto have to make you say that he's going to be a starter. Um, so, yeah, Toko Akambi is an interesting one. I guess on your thoughts, Tom, would you say he was the weak link or is there anyone else? Obviously, Lopez got sent off, so if anyone's a flop, it's him. But is there anyone else that you thought was maybe quiet? When on comparison at their best, they're probably a big influence on the game. Uh, Usa Mawar, is that not an option? No, that's not an option. No, In the same hard. words of Lopez, you know, he played 25 minutes. I mean, to be honest, we could probably touch on our maybe not as a, a flop, but in terms of the fact he started, I found that an interesting dimension yeah. of, you know, probably considering there are three clubs interested in him. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Tom? Um, well, I'll touch on, on Toko first. Um, he was transparent and I actually did feel that Barkala did a lot more uh, than Toko did when he came on. Um, Barkala shows he's he's motivated. I don't want to be using this word all season. Motivation clearly is an issue with OL the last few years, but um, he's got that drive and wants to keep on running in behind. Um, he seems so. He's, he's determined, but he's got, he's so clumsy with his feet. It's it's really weird because it's I don't know if it's the and this is my OCD going. I don't know if it's the black boots, but it just looks like he's sort of Bambi type of, of running. He's he's got so skinny legs and he's sort of scop, skipping around. And he's never too sure whether he's going to trip himself or be able to dribble past three defenders. Bambi on ice, exactly. So he's he's got the talent uh, to become a pretty good league on player um is he anywhere near you know starting leon for leon anytime soon i don't think so but he definitely i i guess better than toko can be he's not proven anything but i don't want to see toko it can be on the pitch anytime soon I, i just don't i agree with jonathan if he if you come bring him on in the second half when players are tired on the other side and have him driving at you, sure, that must be terrifying. Um, but starting, I think you just like, well, he just dips in and out of games and just disappears. So 
I'm not impressed. Um, as for Awar, was a surprise to see him. Uh, is this a tactic from Olas to say, hey, um, let's put him back into the shopping window and try and get attention for him, seeing as uh, Sevilla have just signed Isco and it looks unlikely that that's his next destination as they're similar players. Um, Betis is probably still on the table if he really wants it, but I, I I don't know where he goes with this because I don't see him staying another year. I don't think the fans expect him to stay. I don't think the club wants him to stay either. Uh, so it was a bit of a surprise to see him start, but good on him for actually trying. Uh, I think it's a position where he would do normally okay if he had the actual 90 minutes to play. Um, so it's a bit of a shame to, to see him depart so early and uh, the pitch, but um, the way it is... Um, but yeah, I think Tokyo Campy's got to be the standout non-performer, I guess, if you want to call it that way. I think we're all in agreement on Tokyo Campy. I agree with what you've said about Awara as well. It was a bit of a surprise. A shame we didn't get to see, I guess, kind of like Leon in terms of the whole performance, what he could possibly do, considering after 25 minutes we were severely restricted. And in terms of if we're going to criticise Boss, he kind of went into his shell a little bit like he did last season, almost worried a little bit that we could throw it away, but we managed to hold on in the end. But yeah, Tokoe Kambi just feels like an enigma, especially in the um, in the next conversation, which is captains. Obviously, I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, it feels a bit daft that clubs feel the need to name five captains when most likely when you're captain and vice-captain, aren't going to be injured at the same time. One of them's going to be fit to play. You've got three in reserve. Um, for context, last season, the three named captains or four named captains were Dubois, who's left um, to Galatasaray for 2.5 million. Dembele is still at the club. He doesn't have a, a role in the captaincy group or whatever you want to call it. Um, Awar as well but Awar looks more likely to leave Dembele stated that he wants to leave on a free transfer I think that's what will happen um, and the other one being Lopez who you know is always in and around there as one of the vice captains considering the holding he has in the dressing room and where he's been played and the time he's spent at the club um, so I guess going on to the new captains Lacazette as captain I think we're all in agreement that makes perfect sense Someone who's played at the club in previous years, scored over 100, well, it'd be 130 goals for the club now, 101 in league and um, leads by example. We've already explained why he'd make a good choice for captain. Um, Taliso, I think, has been named as vice captain of initially. Um, are you in agreement on that, Tom, that he's the right, I guess, you know, the thing for me is with Taliso and Lacazette, really, that you know they don't have an initial standing within the dressing room based on rapport and uh, relationships with teammates that somebody like Lopez might have. Um, do you think that could be an issue for either of them, particularly with Taliso? I think Lacazette kind of somewhat speaks for himself a little bit more with the goal-scoring record and what we saw in the game against Ajaxia. I think it's always a tricky one. I know that everyone, not everyone, but some people do have an issue with um, incoming players becoming captains. Obviously, this is a player that's, you know, has been at the club before and has come through the ranks and understands what Olas is trying to install of DNA, OLDNA, you know, that's sort of that the drive to bring back the, the mythical academy and have that real DNA basically in the club. So 
I think he fits that. Tolisso also fits that. Tolisso is obviously, you know, he's a world champion. He's won the Champions League. Uh, he's played at a very high level um, with Bayern and with France. So it doesn't surprise me. I think I do agree that he doesn't have that hold in the dressing room, but I think there's a lot of young players in there that would listen to both of them. Um, and, you know, Lacazette definitely, as much as he doesn't have necessarily the voice anymore, he has that aura uh, coming into place. And I think Tolisso probably has that as well. He's, he seems like a pretty approachable guy and a very nice guy as well. But he's also got that aura and he imposes respect. Well, I think Lopez, as much as he's got experience and has been at the club for a long time, I think he was trialed uh, under Garcia as a captain, but that didn't quite work out. Um, he, he doesn't quite fit the bill. I think he's an important element in the dressing room, and I think every goalkeeper usually is. I think a goalkeeper that doesn't speak much usually doesn't stay in goal for very long um, or gets things changed for him in the future. You know, I know that David De Gea, for example, when he came to United, was an extremely shy teenager and became one of the loudest voices in a dressing room. I'm not saying he's any good. That's not an argument, but I'm just saying he's he's imposing himself. And I think Tuliso and those players and Lopez all have that aura and can impose themselves quite quickly. What do, does surprise me is having someone like Toko Kambi in the mix and not a Kakre who's been a captain for France, a captain for the youth teams, I don't remember seeing Toko Kambi being a captain for Cameroon any recently. Um, and you'd think... Oh, has he been? Okay, well, you'd think... No, I was captaincy. Oh, he hasn't been captain. Okay, well. Um, I'm just saying there's, the element of captaincy means that you're usually the first one in line with you know, supporters and so on. And seeing the relationship that Toko Kambi has now with supporters, I don't know if that's necessarily the first thing you want to be doing, even if it's just in that sort of group that Leon have started creating over the last few years. I remember it becoming popular during the final eight when Rudy Garcia was like, "Oh, what should I do against City? Let's let's have a you know a refreshing break and so on, and let's ask five six players what we should do in these next ten minutes." I know that's when it more or less became popular at Leon, and since then stuck around. Why the hell do you need five, six players to be making decisions? Does that mean that the manager can impose himself? I don't know. Is Bosch going to bring that in as well? I mean, it's one thing to have vice captains, but does it mean he goes and asks players, those five players, what they think should be done next? I don't think that's supposedly what you're supposed to do, but... It is what it is. It's a sort of it's an interesting selection. Um, I can't remember who the last two players are uh, or the last player is uh, with with uh, Tolisso and I don't Tuka know Kambi if there was five. I thought it was an initial four. I ah, think it's maybe. an initial four. Okay. I could be wrong. Well, you'd think that maybe Dembele might be in the mix. Uh, I don't see why Tuka can be gets ahead of Dembele after being. I don't think he was a bad captain last year. I mean, as soon as he got the armband, basically, when Duba was injured, that's when he started scoring goals. So surely that's sort of the thing that you go, this works well for him. The pressure works well. Seems like a leader. It's fine by me. Anyway, it's a whole big argument for captains. I don't think it's that relevant. I think the actual leaders don't need the armband to do it. I'm sure Kakre will be harassing, um, you know, Lukeba or 
Chaco Mendes probably when did make a mistake and he doesn't need the armband to do it. But it is a surprise to not see Kakri in that mix. I would agree. I think you're right. Leaders all stand up whenever they're needed or counted upon. But for me, this captain's group kind of holds a bit more value in terms of where you where your manager possibly sees you in terms of squad standing and the, um, I guess, the influence you hold on the dressing room. And I guess that's possibly why Tocco Camby's been inexplainably included in that group. It's probably the only valid reason. Uh, but I'm on the same lines as you, Tom. I find it quite perplexing that Kakare, somebody who's got experience, possibly not senior experience, but still a lot of experience of being a captain at youth level for France and well, and you know, somebody who into the fans' mind is probably the future captain of the club, um, hasn't been included in that group. Um, are you of the same opinion, Jonathan? Were you quite shocked to see that Toko Kambi has been included in front of somebody like Kakare or even youngsters, possibly Luke Haber and Gusto? It's too early, but again, could have that mantle of being captain in the future. And what do you think of the other options in Tolisa and Lopez as secondary options to Lacazette? Yeah, I don't know anything much more to add. You're, you're all on point. You know, Lacazette, Tolisa, both captains, vice captain, makes sense. That's the whole point. They're leaders. They've won before, you know, put them in charge. Obviously, we did last season didn't work, so put new people in charge. Um, what what I'm surprised, you know, we, we already mentioned the Kekre thing is surprising because I thought if Tolisa or, or um, Lacazette was not here this season, it would be Kakri as captain. That's what I would have thought if neither of them had come. So the fact that because those two people arrive, you're not even in the vice captains, is kind of odd. It's a, it's, it's, and like Tom said, it's not that important. It's more just a, uh, it shows you what the manager sees and who he thinks are the most important people on his team. And so it's surprising that Kakri is not in there. And Toko is. That's really the only dispute. You know, a goalkeeper, of course, with 300 matches makes sense. And like that, Tolisso makes sense. Just surprised Kekre wasn't in, in that group, especially because he deserves it. And I would have seen him as captain if the other two didn't arrive this year. Yeah, it is quite the... Um, the I guess it's the enigma of uh, Bush's decision-making in terms of the future of the club. Is it, you know, he wants the players he has the best relationships with or sees being the best leaders with him. I don't think Toko Kambi's ever demonstrated leadership on the football pitch. I mean, in terms of, you know, the player itself, maybe touching back onto the conversation we were having previously, I think he's a reliable double-figure goal scorer for Leon, whether it be across all competitions. He's done that in two seasons in a row. He's got double-figure goals. And when if you can get your wingers scoring, 11 or 12 goals a season, you know, they're positive numbers. And if they can chip in with assists, maybe not Tocco Camby's game is a bit more of an inside forward, but even still having that sort of reliance of somebody to score 12 goals is big. But, you know, in terms of being somebody who's demonstrating leadership or I guess in somewhat has grabbed the score the game by the scruff of the neck and pick players up. I don't see Tocco Camby as that sort of player. So it'll be interesting if we actually do see him as captain this uh, this season. You know, if we're in a cup game and he's one of the senior players starting, I think it'd be really interesting to see him as captain. But hopefully that's not the case because I don't think he's necessarily a good fit. Um, 
as we come up to the, I guess, the end of the show, it wasn't something we were sure we were going to discuss, but away from the um, silly season transfer rumours, the latest one today has been Fabian Santos. I don't know if I'm saying that right. You Frenchies may be able to correct me, but uh, in terms of the signings that you expected the club to make, I know we've seen Dubois hit the exit door for a quite modest fee for somebody who's a French international. Um, is quite versatile, possibly reliable. You know, he's been lower end of the table at Mets. But what are your thoughts of, I guess, is quite a nothing transfer, Tom, in hindsight, when you look at Tagliafico on the other flank? Yeah, I mean, Santos is not a player that I know that much about. Obviously, it's a name that we've heard in Ligue 1 for many years and feels like that sort of Decent player in a very average team. Uh, Santos has never performed really badly. I mean, I don't follow Mets every week, but I feel like Santos is usually a name that we hear a lot about when we play against them. Um, in a humoristic role, I wouldn't have said this is definitely the transfer I would have thought of at the start of the window. You know, when we, we started looking at transfer targets, I was like, sure, let's get Fabien Santos. That's definitely who we need. Uh, but then again, we didn't expect Leo Dubois to actually leave the club, especially for not not for that fee. So, on the principle of him playing back up to Leo uh, to Malagusto, um, sure, Malagusto is not going to be able, I don't think, to make all thirty eight, let's say forty matches this season with the Coupe de France. Um, and even then, you know, if he's speeding down the wing, uh, back and forth against. Monaco, PSG, for example, maybe the last 20 we bring in Santons to, to give him rest so he can properly have a go at it. Um, there's a great article from The Observer in June saying that super subs is becoming a thing again, that maybe they plan for a player to come on at the half hour, at the hour mark so that the other player, the first one, just gives his 200% knowing he's going to play 60 minutes. Um, and then the next guy is also burning down for speed as well. He's not managing a whole 90 minutes. So maybe Gusto can play a little bit more, you know, intense, not that he lacks intensity usually, but maybe pushes himself even more for more runs, knowing that he's going to get subbed off. That's a possibility. Um, I think he sort of knew last year that he probably would get subbed off because the captain's sitting on the bench. Uh, but, you know, that's if there's a discussion with Bosch to say, you're going to get subbed off at this time before the game, then sure, Santos is a great solution. He's solid, has Liga experience, and will bring in you know, his qualities. Is he the player we needed? Yeah, I mean, he's filling a gap that we had, but we discussed this last week. I think it's more centre-back and, well, I think all three of us can agree that maybe left-wing is probably a priority as well, but the real priority is centre-back because Thiago Mendes is... Not a centre-back. He made one or two passes back to the keeper that were very iffy and you could feel that he's not played in that position that much. And yeah, it's a bit worrying to have Mendes as a starter there. But we've discussed this lengthily on last week's podcast. Go and check it out if you need. Ultimately, Santos would be a pretty decent signing taking into account we don't play Europe this year. If it's a loan as well, it'd be great. Loan with an option to buy. We discussed it at the end of the season, see where we're at, seeing as Malagusto has rumours of leaving. 
maybe it's a case that Malagusta leaves next summer, which would be a bit of a shock, um, disappointment. But there's a possibility, you know, to think of the likes of Manchester United who need a proper right back at some point, maybe to get Malagusto, and then we need a proper um, right back. But in a season without Europe, Santos is perfectly fine for me. I'd agree. I mean, there's not anything to say that this is a transfer that's going to happen. It's a, it seems like if you're you English listeners from the UK, if you pick up a Daily Mirror or something, it seems like a, a throwaway rumour on the back of the newspaper. It doesn't feel like there is a, there's a lot to it. For now, at least, there are other clubs interested. I think Villarreal or Valencia are one of the other ones interested in him from the top of my head. But in terms of having a reliable league and experience right back, somebody who's played in league and for the last three seasons, I just looked at his stats. He did get four goals and one assist last season, which in hindsight, if we could get five goal contributions from our right back, back up right back, you know, you'd be taking that all day long. He's not inept in the final third, whereas we'd probably see him as a more reliable option to sit in and play as a defensive right back if we were defending a 2-1 lead against, say, OM or Ren or somebody like that. So, interesting on that. Any opinions, really, about Santos, Jonathan? No, I think it's all been said. I think he's a, a good backup. Every time I watch Mess in the years he was there, he always was the best player. and um, Sort of almost the best. I mean, he always was standout. And uh, he's in his prime. He's 26 years old. If he wants to come be a backup at Lyon instead of being a starter in Ligue 2, good for him. Um, I think he'll be happy to be there. He'll get a nice salary and it'll work. It'll be a fine fine compromise for backup, which is what we wanted. We want someone not to push Gusto too much in terms of we don't want Gusto to be on the bench again, but we want someone to be able to come back to play some games and offer something different. And uh, I think that that'll be a good good opportunity on the market. You know, I don't know what the price is. If it's eight million, then yeah, that's too much. But if we're talking about uh, it says a loan with an option, if it's you know a two million dollar option, that's that's really good. Would definitely be low market value as well. I think, as you say, he's, we're probably not the most clued up on Fabian Santons, but in terms of a name you hear associated with Mets, he's always up there at the top of the list. Um, and again, he's probably had some decent games against Leon in the past as well. So who knows? Maybe that's one to keep an eye on in the next couple of weeks as we wind down the transfer window but I would expect the club are active more so in terms of outgoings in terms of ingoing incomings but fingers crossed we can sign that centre-back which we've spoke about on last week's episode if you do want to hear more about transfers and our thoughts on the incomings be sure to check out our season preview we talk in depth about Taliso, Lacazette, Teglifico, what impact they could possibly have at Lyon in the coming weeks uh, before we finish up I just want to touch on Cherky's contract situation. Um, it was reported in Le Keep a week ago that there was going to be a meeting between his entourage and Olas personally would person personally personally would be um, attending the meeting alongside Ponce um, Sheru to discuss terms and his place within the squad. It is worth noting that was a week ago. There's been nothing since, and it was reported that if he didn't sign a contract this window, he would be on the way out. So I don't know. From your point of view, Tom, are you slightly worried that we're not seeing any progression on the deal? You know, we've seen Kakare commit. We've seen the deals for 
Lacazette into Lee, which did look punchy for a team with outside European football. Um, so there has been some good dealings in the, I guess, contracts and negotiations this summer. But Shirky's the one that seems to hang over the head at the moment, no? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to take another Twitter reference. You, you know those accounts to do. I'll post this picture of, let's say, Contantelisso for X amount of days until he signs. I feel like Jonathan's been doing that with the contract situation for Shirky. Um, Jonathan really has been banging on OL's door with, you should give this guy another contract. And I think it's completely fair. I mean, as much as he's not performed very well, he's not exactly been given a proper chance. He's been injured. Um, again, this weekend, I think he played like five minutes, um, more or less, with extra time. It's not enough for a player of his age. I mean, even Barcola is ahead of him now in rotation. So I don't know what he needs to do. He needs to obviously get back into proper shape um, and be at his best. You know, even in training, it felt like he was a bit sluggish. Obviously, there's the whole perception versus reality. You know, we always, a lot of people used to say that Benzema was a sluggish and sort of shoulders are really low and so on type of player when he was in for playing for France. Turns out he's actually, it's just bad body language, but in reality, it's not quite that. So maybe Shirky's actually a really determined guy. But there is a feeling that he is a bit beaten down by the whole situation doesn't really know what to do with his career. Um, and, you know, obviously we think back to his great performance in the Coupe de France against Nantes, those two assists, two goals, fantastic. But what's hap- actually happened since, not that much. Obviously, you know, he's he's been injured as well and has not played that much. But if he really was breaking the ceiling, he would be playing every week. So he has the talent to do it. Uh, Awar has reaffirmed this week that he is the best talent in the OL squad uh, last week in an interview. Um, and I do still believe that. I think on raw talent, um, Shirky is probably the best. Uh, but we want him to have more of a career like, not Messi, but like Foden and all that stuff, rather than Aitnori or you know, Ashraf, uh, I forgot his name, Atour, the, the guy who played for Milan. And was just really good on the ball and just disappeared after two years. Mastor, you mean. Mastor, there we go. Um, so yeah. we hope he has more of the first career, Phil Foden type of career. Um, and hopefully he does sign this contract because this is the best situation he's going to get. I don't see where else he can go to be fully happy as of now in his career. I'm sure one day he'll say, I need to get out of Leon and explore new horizons. Think of Awar as the same thing. I think there's that sort of local pressure and him, you know, repeating the same cycles, going to the same training ground and not really progressing. So maybe Awar needs to leave and Shoki might need a loan. I don't know, but he needs to sign that contact extension because we're not letting him go for free. He's one of the best talents to come out of the academy over the last few years, but he also needs playing time and actually show what he's worth and unless Bosch doesn't give him playing time like he probably won't give to Sanchez and you know uh, he needs to give Shirky at least a time to shine and hopefully that's soon and that would give him an incentive to sign a contract extension yeah your last point seems to be the um, the stumbling block for me in terms that's from what I understand or you know I'm taking from the contract situation 
if I'm in Shirky's situation um, with such hype around him, you know, for somebody who's played such little football, he's known around Europe as one of the most exciting talents in world football. Um, and as you say, Hachimastor, those types of players. I'm not going to say Freddie do. I don't see him becoming a vacuum cleaner salesman. But in terms of those young players that have extreme amounts of hype, and don't get the opportunities to impress or, you know, the limited opportunities that they do get don't go the way you would expect. It can impact them. Um, And I think Bosch isn't fully trusting of him to be able to give him, say, between 1,500 and 2,000 minutes in Ligue 1 to really show his stuff. Or, you know, the possibly the terms he's wanting is to be a key start within the team. Um, or, you know, promise of minutes. And I don't think Bosch is willing to give him that. So that's where I think we could see him come unstuck and Nice, like they are with most young Leon players. Uh, Ria Talby, um, Guiri, Barr, um, you know, others on the list that they've been linked with in the past 24 months um, are interested. So I'm not so sure. What's your take on it, Jonathan? Do you see him actually putting pen to paper and this is just, you know, a load of hot air about nothing? Unfortunately, no. I don't think he's going to stay. And, you know, I am I know people know I really like Ryan Sharkey a lot. Um, he's my kind of football. He makes me, like, excited to watch football uh, because he does something that other people don't do. And I get that sometimes it's not simple and he should be more simple. Everyone agrees with that. But I, I like the creativity and seeing things that I don't see before. And one dribble is more exciting to me than sometimes in the whole game, the best moment of the game sometimes to me. So I get it. That's not everyone's cup of tea, but I, I really do appreciate him. I think it's a bad rap. And I think that his advisors are telling him, you know, I'm sure Olas is telling you, yeah, stay and you'll get playing time, but they're really not showing him anything. You know, he doesn't get enough playing time. I, I get, you can't play five minutes at 18 years old and, with that kind of talent, you know, and his personality, he wants to come in and show off he's the best player. And in five minutes, you do too much. He's You saw right away, he came in last game, did way too much. It's just because it's he's in maturity, he just wants to show his skill. He has five minutes to make a highlight tape. But if he had 65 minutes to make a highlight tape, of course he wouldn't do everything from the first minute. He's played starts before and he wasn't flashy from the beginning. So I just think that he needs more playing time. And his advisor telling him, you know, they're saying they're going to give you time, but they're not giving you time. So maybe it's best for him. He needs to play. I mean, when he was 16, he could be, yeah, okay, you can get minutes here and there. That's fine. But at this point, people are catching up to him, even passing him, and he needs to be starting now. And so if, if Lyon can't give him 15 starts this season, you know, then you can't you can't stay here. You've got to go somewhere that's going to give you a real chance to, to explode. And... I, I, I hate it. I hate seeing it. And because, you know, as, as a supporter, you have to put the club first. But I just, I really hate the situation we're in. Um, but I think, I think it's, he's going to leave now. And it's going to be good for him. I don't think it's good for Lyon. But financially, it's just, they have to sell him. Uh, and I think Bosch, you have to support Bosch, even though on this exact point, I don't agree with him. I don't agree with letting a talent like that go to waste even if you think he's less good than your current option. I, I know he doesn't want to lose his job, but 
the coach has to think long term and think I have this player that could explode and I need to give him opportunities. And even if he does poor performances, I need him to play. He just doesn't see it that way for whatever reason. And uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Bosch changes his mind. You know, maybe there's an injury, but I think there's only a few weeks left of the transfer window. And some club is going to offer him $15, $20 million to go there. And he's going to be gone. I can sense your sadness and despair of that answer, Jonathan. I'd agree, to be fair. I think if we lose somebody of his quality for such, you know, little amount and not having seen what he could possibly produce would be really sad. But that's football at the end of the day sometimes. Um, Are you of the same opinion, Tom? Just quickly, I'm aware we've been recording for over an hour, but do you think he will sign the contract? I'm going to stay optimistic and say he will, but like a short one. Like a one-year extension and say, I give you this season to show me that you really value my talent and that you're going to give me a chance to show what I can do. Otherwise, I'm out next summer. I think he is deeply attached. I'm to pretty the sure the deal on the table is, is 2027, the deal that's being Oh, wow. Yeah, well, that, that can be a bit frightening for him. Um, and I understand it. You know, at 18, it's logical to give him five years. And it's completely fair. I think in his mind, it's more of like, I agree with Jonathan, it's like, give me X amount of starts, 15, for example, especially if there's an injury, or I'm out. And I don't know if he's going to be able to see that by the end of the summer window. I don't know. I don't think he will. And then he'll make his mind up and there'll be, I think there's a chance that we sell him in January rather than the summer. Um, but there will be a sale. I don't see Leon doing another Memphis, and it would be hilarious that he leaves with less money than Tuzar. But that's the way it looks. I honestly, it's it's symbolic, really. But um, you know, he, he's going to leave eventually, and hopefully, we get to see what he's worth first before he goes and do amazing things elsewhere. Because we do hope that he does things elsewhere. Um, and doesn't end up as a washed-up talent who could have been. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 sad to see him like this because he does seem like a nice guy as well and is dedicated to the club and he wants to give back to the club. But he needs to take. He's taking into consideration his own career. He needs to. He's been so hyped up over the years, even by Olas, that at some point he needs to say, "I'm out of here and I need to show my talent." and discover for myself what I'm worth. Yeah, it looks inevitable at some stage. Just hopefully it's not within the 12 months. Um, I don't want to leave the podcast on a sour note, so I'm aware we've not previewed L'Oreal. But either way, I still want a pre-match prediction. I'm going to go first. I'm going to say we see a bit more of the semi-electric stuff we saw in the first 25 minutes. I'm going to go 4-0 and say... I were excited after that 25 minutes. I'm just going to say we we play some nice football and we put them to the sword. We've done it in the past. I don't know if you remember. I think it was Strasbourg. Uh, we won 3-1 and we scored that really nice goal between Paqueta, Bruno and Awa. Um, if we can get something like that going with Kakare, Talisa and Paqueta or Kakare, Le Pen or Hun, whoever in midfield, 
I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm going to go 4 0. Um, I'll come to you for your pre match prediction and probably a slate on my pre match prediction, Tom. Yeah, I mean, it's. it's... 4 0 is a big, big, big jump, uh, seeing as they've just beaten Ren. Um, this is when you know basic sports fans would go, yes, but Ren were beating Valorion and Ren thrashed Leon last year, so we're going to concede eight goals this year. What the hell? Uh, no, football does not work that way. Lorien are not FC Bayern Munich. Um, I do see us winning, um, but more like a, a 2-1 win again uh, with another goal from Lacazette. And hopefully something to cheer us up like a an assist from Shirky or a goal from Tolisso. More, definitely more likely than a goal from Kakri, let's be honest. Um, I would like to, I think, other than just a goal from Kakre, I would like to see him on the pitch. I think he's back in the group, from what I understand. Toko was not in the first training after the game. Uh, neither was Jeff. Um, but I guess we see at the end of the week what kind of group we get. That's the advantage of not playing all week, is nothing happens all week. And then by the weekend, you're like, oh, this guy was injured at the start of the week. Nothing happened since, and now he's fine. That's the beauty of not playing European football. Don't we miss it? I think we'd rather cope with a couple of injuries and see Leon facing off against Benfica or Leipzig in the Champions League or Europa League than, um, as you mentioned. But yeah, of course, it's we'll see the um, the transpiration of the group towards the end of the week, I'm sure. Uh, what about you, Jonathan? Are you going to be a bit more conservative like Tom or are you going to go a bit outlandish like me? Definitely more conservative. I've This year, I've come in with this conservative mentality of not rooting for wins every time because it just it doesn't happen. I used to think, you know, every time we play those teams fighting for relegation that we'd beat them because that's what really good clubs do. They always win against weaker teams. and But that's not Lyon. Lyon does not do that. I still am going to... I, I don't want to predict anything. Else. I'll predict a win. But I don't predict a 1-0 away road win. Uh, yeah, I am washed up from last year. It really did a lot on me, but I think one nil on the road, we'll take it. I, I just don't, I just don't want to get my hopes up and think this is going to be this amazing season until I see more. Until I see it, you know, maybe six games in, eight games in, I'll be like all in. But right now, I don't want to get my heart broken. What are you talking yeah, we'll, about? We'll we saw you it on tap twenty-five minutes. <laughs> we'll keep tabs on that Jonathan and in five episodes we have to check up on you and see if you're still washed up from last year yes we'll see it's early in the season of course it is um, I want to be a bit more positive I really enjoyed the opening 25 minutes I thought oh we could see a traditional Peter Bush performance where it's you know gun-ho attacking so I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns and hopefully we can come I still predicted a win, okay? I didn't predict anything. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> 1-0. I, I don't want to watch a 1-0 Leon performance. We've seen a few of those, and they're extremely boring. So, yeah, more like 4-0 or, you know, a dramatic 2-1, and Gusto scores a rocket a la Dubois against Bordeaux a couple of years ago. It might have even been last season. It's been... It's been a whirlwind couple of years, to be honest. But we'll be here covering um, L'Oreal next week. It's a 12 o'clock kickoff on the Sunday. So should expect another episode out early next week. But thanks again for listening, as always. And we'll catch you on the next one. Cheers, guys. Bye.